to the two marks exclusively on the pod station. listeners to a new show brought to you by the two marks this time we're discussing the mandalorian season two review and let me have a good old blow with my oboe and once again we're delivering an irreverent review providing you lively debate conversation and social commentary is gus fring selling los polos hermanos in moss eisley will jeans guy get his own spin-off show when will stormtroopers learn how to shoot better who would win in an egg eating contest cool hand luke or baby yoda how small is mando's bedroom how many tuscan raiders does it take to kill a crate dragon is Boba Fett like me and thinks he can fit into his 30-inch waist trousers after 30 years. This is the way. All this and more will be unpacked in this week's episode. Let me introduce my friend and co-host, Mr. Mark Pollard. Hey, lucky Hello. 13, mate. Yeah, it took you 13 attempts and you got it right. Thank you for that. Always positive. Constructive criticism. You were shit the other 12 times. <laughs> it's got my self-esteem. <laughs> How are you? I was just drinking a bit of coffee there. The consummate professional. Take 14. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gagging on a coffee whilst recording a podcast. I'm very well, thank you. Yes, can't complain. Shall we introduce our guest because he's back again? Oh, of course. Let me introduce our Star Wars fan of the ages, Mr. Dave Forrest. Hello. Hello, Mark. Good to be back. Well, it is. You say fan of the ages. He didn't know who shot first. No, I didn't know who shot first. Amongst many other things. Tell the listeners, Dave, what's your notes looking like? So many notes this week. I downloaded from Wikipedia. Wikipedia, yes, of course, (laughs) listeners. Wikipedia. The font of all knowledge. If you want to find out anything, Wikipedia is the go-to. In my instance, I've gone for it. In my instance, I've just not bothered with notes. I think I technically come below Dave in the note-taking department. You've actually gone in reverse, in fact, because normally you at least have a post-it note or a stamp to write on the back of. I've, you've done none. I say I haven't got any notes. <laughs> I did write the word Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> the top of the piece of paper. So I do know what we're talking about. I didn't put S2. I thought that was a step too far no. in my preparation. You'll be fine. Yeah, Dave will carry us. It's fine. I'll carry you. I've got all the info here. There you go. Trust but verify. Shall I go through the boring bit first? If you think this completely lacks in any form of professionalism and you feel you want to let us know, then you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's at the two marks. Go and abuse us there. If you want to send us an email because you were particularly dissatisfied with the level of quality of service, then it's the two marks at the podstation.co.uk. If you want to give us a, a five-star review because you felt pity on us, you can do so by doing it on whichever of the major podcast platforms you you use to listen to your show if you want to find us you type in the two marks or alternatively if there's a particular genre that you like which we cover so we do two star trek shows we do the picard talk and disco fever which is star trek discovery you can type in those into the search and just get those episodes on their own or we've got a film policy or whatever it is that we're going to call this one but for the time being if you stick to the two marks you should be all right don't worry, Mark. I'll carry this show because you're still drinking your coffee. <laughs> it's called The Mandalorian. Okay, but I'm not creating <laughs> a new channel. I'm not creating a channel <laughs> called The Mandalorian. <laughs> Just listen to it on the two marks. That's all I say. Should we get stuck into the show? Well, it's going to be on two marks, isn't it? Yeah. Well, let's start at the very, very beginning. Episode one, The Marshal. Well, episode nine, technically, mm. isn't it? It's another, chapter another nine. Western. It's chapter nine, but it's okay. I mean, if we start getting into that, we're going to confuse ourselves, aren't we? So it's season two, episode one, The Marshal. Yes, technically it is chapter nine, but, you know, let's keep it simple because we're going to end up losing ourselves when we get to 
chapter 16 version paragraph 4 what do we think it's another delve into the western style isn't it is that what Wikipedia told you, Dave? No, I'm not looking at that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm looking at. You've yeah. got your nose right up to that no, microphone. I'm not looking at No, it's another another Western-style cowboy You look like episode. you're sucking off a Muppet right there. This episode has oh, the... Oh, for the love of God. Is that you? That's, me, that's not my mum this can't, time. I can't do that It's my phone, but I can't turn it off. Can hell, what's going on there? Hi, right, Mum. Love you. Hello. Hello, YouTube Design and Marketing. No, we don't do that. Someone just going, uh, I thought it was Rolf Harris for a minute. It was just going, uh, 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 Rolf, Rolf, Rolf's Cartoon Club. You can join today. No unknown number there. Chris Probably Chris Roxburgh. Yeah, being all happy. So, yeah, I mean, so what were you saying about the episode, Dave? Well, it was sort of Western style again. We're going back to this, you know, he meets this gunslinger, doesn't he? Who's dressed up in Boba Fett's outfit, basically. Well, he's got a bit of it left, doesn't he? He's managed yeah. to find it off some Jawas as an exchange. The whole the theme was a little bit of, sort of the Japanese fighting movies, Shogun stuff, and then also the Western, wasn't it? It, was it a wasn't. Of, um, it was Tremors in Space. Oh, yeah, Tremors. Wasn't it? No, it was the, big um, slugs sliding under the sand, eating folk, and they had to kill them. Oh, right. That's You're what this episode was. This was just a, a rip-off of Tremors, but on a different planet, so they couldn't get sued for it. And actually, Why didn't it just eat the whole building? Well, exactly. And actually, starting at the very beginning, they decided to rip off Monsters, Inc., because that fella looked distinctly like Mike Wazowski, except really old and not particularly healthy. You know, at the right at the beginning, when they're at the boxing match or whatever it was, the battle, and he's sitting next to the fella with the one eye. Yeah, I quite like that beginning, I to be honest. And he strings him up. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of the sheriff, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, the guy who played him, Timothy Oliphant, who fans will know, he played the US Marshal, Raylan Givens. Oh, hang on. Which guy are you talking about? Because I'm talking about the fella right at the very beginning now, the guy with the one eye. not The boxing ring. Yeah, yeah. The gangster guy, he strings up at the end and lets a load of evil ghost. There you are. There's another film that they cribbed it from, Ghost. <laughs> you know, when there's all the evil demon things that drag mm. people away into hell eat and eat him. That's like those dogs. So basically what this fella did was set down for this episode with an encyclopedia of films between the years 1990 and 2000. 2010 and just stole all the major threads really yeah <laughs> i was specifically meaning that the western style was originally the type of george lucas theme mm. of this episode mm. but yes tremors and other movies there was no scene in there was there where he was doing some molding of clay no oh my god i've just realized how much this film has just covered my entire childhood of watching <laughs> films because the guy who plays the sheriff in town i always remember him and i certainly can't shake him from his performance in scream one spoiler alert when he's the boyfriend no he's not the lunatic boyfriend he's the mate of the lunatic boyfriend is it i can't remember he's a baddie in scream i'm gonna have to check imdb because i'm sure he's a baddie in scream who's the guy you're about now because i think you've just did you watch the actual episode or something else because i don't know what you've seen what you've been watching uh yeah was it you're saying he's the baddie david arquette i don't know <laughs> oh, oh okay i was just thinking it was matthew lillard we, on episode one, you're talking about? Mm. Timothy Oliphant. Oh, that's interesting how you know him from that. I'd, he's not in that, though, is he? We're in Scream. So how do I... You know him from... He was in... He was in Scream... No, 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 no. Scream 2, bitch. Read it. Scream 2. 
Scream 2, you said Scream? Scream. Yeah, no, but the Scream franchise, I mean, listen. What? There's you're no being... fucking fire films. Don't, let's not be pedantic about this. Uh, <laughs> Scream. Let's, no, let's be specific about it. There's five yeah. fucking films in a TV show, and you go, he was the baddie in Scream. Which fucking one? The second one, spoiler alert, people. Right, okay, <laughs> well, it wasn't the first one, clearly, because I've got that up. Basically, the guy you're talking about, Timothy Oliphant, was in Deadwood. If you've seen Deadwood, he played a cowboy in there. He was in Justified, playing Raylan Givens. And he's been in one of the Die Hard films. He played the villain in that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, to be honest, you can name all of the films that he's been in, but none of them matter to me one iota. He remains the guy from Scream 2. <laughs> but not Scream 1. No, because he wasn't in that, silly. <laughs> well, I'm glad it's only taken us 20 minutes to sort that out. We've got eight <laughs> episodes to cover. We'll be back here tomorrow at the same time. I mean, it, Dave mentioned before about the fact that he was wearing Boba Fett's clothes which clearly don't fit because I noticed when he was walking around he seemed to be carrying a walnut between his ass cheeks because he has an awfully weird way of walking he's got like a knocked knee thing going on if you watch him it's one of the most bizarre walks he's obviously trying to do the cool sheriff walk you know where every time he puts his hand down you hear the spurs on his shoes jangle against the ground you know that sort of walk which is nowhere near as impressive when it looks like you're carrying a pineapple between your cheeks (laughs) did you notice that Dave I didn't notice any you're into him aren't you Mark the thing is I'm all over him that's his actual walk that's how he walks normally no I know no I get that I'm not disputing that it's just a really really weird walk yeah I think he's got one leg shorter than the other so to adjust it, that's how he walks. So what you're essentially saying is I've just made fun of a disabled person. Basically, that's exactly mm. what I'm saying, yeah. Because he walks like that. I was pretty... When I saw him in Deadwood, I was exactly like you going, oh, he's walking like he's got a bit of a swagger to him. And then he did the same in Justified. And then he does it in everything I've seen him in. Basically found out why. And I think due to an injury, either his hip... Yeah, the All right, you don't need to lay on... Th- I already no. feel bad about making fun <laughs> of the disabled medical. person. And then he's in a wheelchair now. And <laughs> we've, got, we've got his whole medical history. Yeah, he gets... Well, I've got his medical report here, and he also he gets to the yeah. front of the queue at cinemas. He does have the smallest hips as well in the world. I mean, from, like, the we waist down. He's barely there. His upper body, he looks pretty ripped from, like, his ass downwards. There's nothing there. I mean, it's impressive, and, and he looks yeah. great for it, but... Yeah, yeah. But there's no way he's fighting the dragon. Because he's just <laughs> is that a drug. Is that a euphemism? To <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> <laughs> be fair, um, whether he walked like that or not, the size of that crate dragon. Yeah. I don't think he'd take him on on his own. I know he's got like a big stare as well. I mean, he's going to have like a staring competition with the dragon. Obviously, so it's a typical western vibe to it hasn't it where he goes to the old saloon bar and the old town that's been forgotten just at the era of kind of the railroad being built and the gold mines and the gold rush time and obviously he's got half of the mandalorian armor hasn't he? he's got he's kind of made his own blue peter sort of sarong he looks I'm like gonna... someone who could have been on blue peter you know like a presenter yeah, yeah he has yeah. got that look yeah. about him hasn't he? Well, maybe that's where he got his skills to make his wraparound skirt thing he's got going on. (laughs) He's got his little blue Peter badge on underneath his vest. And he's got a gold one, which means he can walk into Alton Towers without paying. If you turn the the armour over, maybe it's got (laughs) cornflakes. Double-sided sticky tape. What what they didn't show you is that a gust of wind just rips it off. Someone's missing egg boxes and uh, polystyrene boxes. That's why he goes to the bar and just sits there, because obviously when the guy's serving booze, the boxes from which he's 
emptied the bottles, you know, to fill up the fridge. He says, oh, can I have them boxes? I need to make some boots for me uh, <laughs> to go with me armour. He's getting his armour right before he goes and fights the dragon. And maybe that's why he walks that way, so it looks like he's walking side on, so you don't see behind, because he actually hasn't got any... Yeah, t- he ran out of cornflakes boxes. Yeah. To be accurate, it's because he's pigeon-toed, and he's tried to make himself better. He hasn't broken any hips, so you don't need to feel bad. He's just massively pigeon-toed. <laughs> Okay. We've sorted that out now. I'll sleep yeah. tonight. It's a good start to season two, though, wasn't it? He's a good character. And actually, the two of them, the Mandalorian and him, it creates that really good dynamic because he has obviously stepped up to be the guardian, the protector for this saloon village, whatever you call a Western village. Do you know the name of a Western village? A village? Not, not Best Western, that's a hotel. An outcrop. An outcrop. An outlying village yeah. of... He's stepped up to be the protector and through whatever dealings, he's probably looked after some Jawas along his way and got Boba Fett's old armour and then he's just put some shitty, you know, those grey joggers people wear. He's got like a pair of them underneath and he's gone, I'll yeah. just tile that up with some sequins. In fairness, that has to be one of the shittest villages to have to protect in the whole world ever. It's just a row of 10 buildings on either side and then just desert. (laughs) I mean, it's not even really a village, is it, Dave? There's no church, there's no school, there's just, there's a bar and a couple of houses. Probably thinking of Uber Eats. (laughs) And every now and again, Big Dragon comes down the main street and choose it all up. Those roads look like most of them do here in Merseyside <laughs> with the lack of money that the council spends <laughs> on repairing it. It must be because we too have underground dragons that go through and create massive potholes every day yeah. that we well, have to drive What they do now, because there's no money, all they do now is they take up all the paving stones around Wirral. They basically tarmac it and then send all those paving slabs to Colding. <laughs> <laughs> For the rich Colding, ones. Yeah. Essentially, all the rich people are benefiting from our old paving slabs. Where I live, they've literally removed all the paving stones, taken them away, and they've just put tarmac down. Maybe they're doing you a favour because maybe the dragons are just causing those <laughs> paving stones to go all... You know, you get the trip-slip-fall jobs. Yeah. Well, they're just removing those, aren't they? Because, of course, the dragons are going to cause murder. The dragons around where I live, there's a lot of them, so maybe that's what it is. <laughs> this episode sort of sets a general thread which runs through the whole of this season about there being a wider Mandalorian community. In season one, we do see the episode towards the beginning when he decides that he doesn't want to kill Baby Yoda and he wants to save him, and he's trying to escape wherever it was that he was holed up. We see a load of Mandalorians sort of protecting him so he can get away. But beyond that, we haven't really heard or seen or spoken about a wider community beyond that little bubble that we saw there. And when he obviously sees the guy from Scream 2 <laughs> wearing his conflict <laughs> packet Mandalorian armour, it's the first time we think, oh, there's another Mandalorian there. Yeah, they're actually someone to look up to. The thing is, is Boba Fett isn't specifically a Mandalorian, no. although they've retconned it, which is kind of jumping ahead of the show, but they have retconned it. He technically wasn't a Mandalorian. He just happened to have the armour. Yeah, but did you see that outfit when he came into the bar? And did you think Boba Fett? Because I didn't really know that. I just saw it and go, oh, it's another Mandalorian. I didn't because he wasn't wearing the full set. I just thought it looked similar to... You thought there was some Bob, Boba Fett stuff, though. There was something going on. thing is, you recognised it. You recognised yeah. the armour. And then very quickly you also thought, hang on a minute, there's something wrong with it. So you recognised it from Return of the Jedi. And then you thought, oh, hang on a minute, it's missing the trousers. But then you thought, this guy's just trying to be Boba Fett. (laughs) He's a wannabe, yeah, he's basically stolen Valor. He's stolen Valor. It's the kind of people who are begging on the streets and they've been, oh, so in the forces. And they're like, mate, you haven't even been anywhere near the army. 
But I don't know why he'd want to be Boba Fett because why would he go there? Because there's nothing there. Well, he's not. I think he's just got the armor. I think we're giving him credit. He just, thinks it's, he just thinks it's yeah. He's, cool. he's trying to be the big hard man in a village of five people. So when he was with the Jawas, he said, "I'll have that stuff on the wall there," but not really knowing what he was getting. It's like people go to the pound shops and they just grab a pile of stuff because it's a pound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, if you go to B and M and there's yeah. like I don't know twenty toilet rolls for a pound. You're going to yeah. buy them for a pound. You do, though, don't you? You go in, you go, oh, wow, Kit Kat for a pound. You go out yeah, and then realise next door you could actually get a Kit Kat for 60p. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Everything's a pound, including Everything's the stuff that shouldn't be. Yeah. Well, they're yeah. not lying. It just means that sometimes they win, sometimes they bag a crisp yeah. a pound. What? Yeah. It's like going to the casino, isn't it, in the pound yeah. shop? Have I got something that's worth a pound or not? Well, maybe that's what, what he did. He went to the pound shop, bought five boxes of cornflakes for five pound. <laughs> <laughs> and then made his out of him. And a Mandalorian outfit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's got his sloggies on. He's yeah. got his cardboard cut out, Kellogg's cornflakes outfit. He's been to B&M. I mean, interestingly enough, when we had the riots in my area, the two places that got broken into was McDonald's and B&M. So some, <laughs> somebody got away with £20 worth of sweets. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Liverpool, they were taking 50-inch plasma screen televisions and like, oh, I've just broken. I've got 10 lighters for a pound. <laughs> If any of these businesses would like to be a sponsor, the two marks at the podstation.co.uk. Or not. Shall we move on to chapter two? Because I'm conscious, or chapter 10, sorry, episode two. Shall we move on? Because, of course, we've got plenty more. To wrap up episode one, basically, he enlists him, doesn't he, to help him kill the Crate Dragon and the Tusken Raiders that are normally the ones yeah. causing problems. For those who don't know Tusken Raiders, the Sand People. The Sand People, uh, yeah. Quick question to you fans of the show. Do you know why Tusken Raiders march in a single file? Yeah. Do you want to answer this, Dave? Dave knows. It's so that you don't know how many there are. Boom! Now, there you go. That's a fan. And he's not actually a fan. If we had our mate Gareth on the show, he's got a woman, so you won't see him. Um, (laughs) Hi, Gareth. (laughs) A big shout out to Gareth from your prison. Yeah, prison. How's the tunneling going? (laughs) She noticed a spoon was missing, so it's put it back a few weeks. (laughs) And he's been walking around the back garden, shaking his leg so he can put all the soil back in the (laughs) garden. That's how he's getting rid of it. Yeah. yeah. It's like Escape from Cold. It's Escape, yeah. Uh, basically, he would have known the answer to that. So well done, Mr. Pollard. That is very, very good. Did you uh, know that, Dave? Um, no, I didn't, actually. To be honest, I knew that largely from a survival. I'm sure I've watched an army survival program <laughs> at some point, and they've said that that's why you walk in a single file, so that they can't determine how many of them are. And I just applied logic. Although I do think they actually mention it in that episode, they don't they? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they do. So they basically kill the Crate Dragon and the Mandalorian. Mando, for short, trades back with Cobb Vath, I think his name is. He trades back the semi-part, yeah, the uh, Boba Fett costume or armour. And it looks like they're going to have a bit of a showdown, but they actually get on, which yeah. is nice. So then it moves us nicely into episode two called The Passenger. So this is where Peli gives Dejarin or Mando another covert mission. But this time he has to, he has the task of ferrying Frog Lady, that's her official name, and she is, she's up the duff. <laughs> so Mr. Frog yeah. has fertilised her. So Mr. Zamando has now been given the job to ferry her through hyperspace to get her to a planet. I'm not too sure what the name of the planet is, but then they, they get stranded somehow on a snowy planet, which, typical to the Lost in Space movie, not the series, is full of spiders. Spiders, yeah. 
They love a spider, don't they? I have to say, the first episode in season two was really good. But out of the eight episodes in this season, I would probably put chapter nine as the second weakest. And I'd probably put chapter 10 as the weakest in this season in terms of how good the episodes are. I thought the first one was good. I mean, listen, when I say the weakest, I still think they're amazing episodes. But I do think this second one where basically the only really fun thing is watching baby yoda eating all the Either eggs, eggs. Yeah. <laughs> he's a little bastard him in yeah. yeah he's yeah he's, yeah <laughs> i wondered on this one where we once you saw frog lady you thought oh no we're going down all these strange characters again now aren't we and it's gonna get a bit silly oh did you have a jar jar binks flashback yeah i just thought oh no it's a little jar jar binks <laughs> it's funny dave mentions that is because i saw frog lady and i was trying to work out what the purpose was. I get the understanding that he's obviously, we were talking about this in season one in terms of they tell a story, but they have the characters jump into the season that don't specifically have anything other than ciphers to move the story forward, but then it can come back later in the season. So we don't spend a lot of time trying to understand who they are, but what we do, we kind of come across them again. So as part of, I suppose, the hero's journey, he will come across people that allow him to move his story forward. So this particular case, to find out more, about the Mandalorians, he has to take this woman to to the planet, frog woman to the planet. So it means that there's value in the purpose of what he's doing. He's undertaking a task, but I saw the frog lady and thought, "Mm, is it going to be another one of these Jar Jar Binks moments? Hmm. And luckily it didn't fulfill that thought, but this particular episode, there was a lot happening. I mean, not being funny, the Razor Crest, I didn't think it could take much more damage than no. it did. Well, I did. the other thing is, I don't ever remember Jar Jar Binks getting naked in the prequels. No. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe you did. Maybe you just didn't see it. Maybe yeah, but you didn't see it. You got a bit raunchy, old frog lady, despite the fact mm. that she's married. And as you say, up the duff. Wasn't shy about just stripping down to a nothings and jumping into that jacuzzi. Yeah, in the jacuzzi, yeah. Yeah. But we also got X-Wings as well. We did. We? Well, they were quite they just good. just turned because- up. They obviously are clearly, because of where this is set, they're now patrolling the area and making sure there's nothing going on because they wanted him to give them. Because first of all, he ended up trying to evade them, didn't he? Which is why he ended up on the planet in the first place. But luckily, they did a bit of due diligence and went back and ended up saving him. Not sure whether he hired the A-team on this episode because he managed on a, on a, on a, on a snow planet only with spiders. Yeah. His, his ship was absolutely shafted. Yeah. I mean, he was worse than my old Amiga. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah, do you know what? I think I'm going to have to post that video onto our social medias. Do we have a bullying policy? Because all I see on our social media is me. <laughs> right. what was I, thing? I won't spoil it, people, but if you go to our social media, you will find what was possibly one of the funniest videos I get ever got to take of Mark. And... What you see in that video is legitimately what he had to do to get into his car. It's also a reason for you to give us money on our Patreon page. Do you want to tell them our Patreon page? Yeah, patreon.com forward slash the pod station. If nothing else, the video will inspire you to understand that we have no money. (laughs) I feel like I need to show Dave the video just so he can experience it firsthand. Do I get royalties? (laughs) <laughs> where are we right it's funny because it's serious oh my god it's fucking it hilarious <laughs> it wasn't planned who kept it of course i have he keeps everything <laughs> oh it's the funniest fucking thing you've ever seen in your life oh hang on <laughs> so 
Mark and I just finished a meeting together, Dave. Can you see that? I can see that, yeah. And I said to him, pretend you're walking towards one of these nice parked cars yeah. and then veer off to your car at the last <laughs> minute. This is legitimately what he had to do to get into his car. Oh, fucking brilliant. That's possibly one of the funniest moments ever. <laughs> oh, I love you, Mr. Latham. <laughs> Brilliant. Can I put that on social media? Yeah, I'll book in for some. Have we got counsellors? <laughs> <laughs> I won't do if you don't want. I'm not fussed, that's fine. <laughs> put a link to our Patreon page on it, though. <laughs> I will do. Right, let's continue now. I've finished humiliating Mark. So we're up to spiders now. So basically, after the fact that they sort of push him into the planet, the X-Wing fighters come back for him. God knows how he managed to repair that ship of his. It's literally... Well, maybe he got some tips off the fella from Chapter 9, Blue Peterman. There's nothing you can't do with some double-sided sticky tape. And as you say, Dave, cornflake back it. Cornflake boxes and white coat hangers. And ironically, what he should have known is that if he'd have had the DVD for the A-Team theme tune, everything fixes itself when you've got the Mm A-Team tune going. Yeah. Or MacGyver. Well, you think MacGyver and the A-Team in the future may have their own little team up and they basically fly around the galaxy helping people in need. Yeah. What we do get in this episode is a nice little cameo from Richard Iodi from the IT crowd who revisits his the character he played in season one of Mandalorian that he just happens to have sitting off in his ship. The robot geezer. Do you know his name? No. I haven't got it on, no. me, on my notes, but... Basically, he pops up again. So, yeah, so she jumps in the pool of water. Now, the thing that popped to my mind wasn't specifically the scariness of the fact that he's happy to just get naked in a snow planet, mm. but it just so happens that the cave and the place they land in the whole of the planet happens to be the place where there's this pool. This episode did, in fact, create a little bit of uh, controversy. Uh, you see, hang on, I'll have to pull you okay, on that one, because that's not strictly true, is it? When the spiders suddenly appear and they have to run back to the ship, they do have to leg it a fair mm. way. I suppose that begs the massive question of, as a warm-blooded creature, she needed to find somewhere warm. Why the hell was she walking as far as clearly they did to find this pool of warm water? I think it was quite a way. She's a frog, so she knows how to find water. It's like a Jedi sense, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a froggy (laughs) Jedi thing. Did she just hop over there? Yeah, but the other thing as well is, the great thing is Baby Yoda's still trying to eat the eggs. He's a little bastard. Well, that was the controversy with this episode, wasn't it? The fans were like, he's literally eating an unborn baby. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there's no difference if I eat a boiled egg. You know, I'm not going to suddenly end up in prison because I've eaten a boiled egg. Oh, lamb. Sorry? We eat lamb. By default, it opens up the whole conversation of why we eat other animals. He's an alien and he likes eggs. Well, then they'll eat spiders as well. And he's a kid, so he don't give a shit. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it's like when you pick your nose and eat it or you shove your finger up your ass. <laughs> well, that's probably just me. To coin a phrase, he knocks the top off the spiders. What? And, and eats. <laughs> well, welcome, listeners, to Dave's topical innuendos. We'll back onto the cream eggs again. <laughs> he snaps the top off a spider's nest and shoves it in his gob. <laughs> he does. He eats it like a Cadbury's cream egg. And the thing is, you know he's going to do it. Have you ever pulled the top off a nest? Uh, not it wasn't yet, your no, fault <laughs> so a lot of people weren't happy that he was eating eggs oh they need to get hold of themselves know, don't they it was probably some fucking vegan it's um, a TV show it's yes. like that what was it it's, it's a, a fucking puppet it's a puppet so basically I actually wasn't thinking he was going to eat I thought he was keeping them safe in his throat <laughs> <laughs> he's just storing them in his stomach yeah. for yeah. when it's safe yeah 
Because he was having, he was writing there, wasn't it? It was like a lucky dip. Mark, do you know that Santa Claus doesn't exist? What? <laughs> That's why I was hiding in my boot, trying to find him. I mean, this episode was mostly him crashed on a planet, Baby Yoda trying to steal someone's eggs, and then escaping from the spiders. Which was I mean, very Harry Potter. I mean, sticking on Harry the Potter stealing spiders. themes from films. It, it yeah. was Harry Potter, and the second one wasn't it? The Chamber it's of Secrets. A, yeah, a load of little spiders. Yeah. Yeah, a couple just, of big bastard spiders, yeah. yeah. I mean, those spiders were used in the film Lost in Space, which is on the crash on a ice planet or something. So it's a bit overused, that particular thing, isn't it? They could have come up with something else. But anyway, that essentially was episode three. Yeah. Sorry, episode two, did we like that? It was yeah. my least favourite of this season. But I, I yeah, mean, that's saying that I still thoroughly enjoyed it because the whole season's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But basically, after this one, we move straight into episode three, chapter 11, the heiress, which brings... Pirates of the Caribbean, just saying. Pirates of the Caribbean. Have you just literally made notes on the bottom? It is. (laughs) As I was going through these episodes, I'm thinking, oh my God, that's it looks like Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean 2 or 3, whichever it was. Well, going by your screen reference, it could have been any of them, couldn't it, let's be honest? (laughs) Well, there is now, but I don't think anyone's watched beyond number one or two, because the (laughs) shit after that... (laughs) Well, yeah. But if Johnny Depp does want to be a sponsor of the show and you haven't got too many illegal bills, give us a call. <laughs> no, I refuse point blank. I have a standard and I think Johnny Depp is definitely below my standard. I'm sure you disagree. <laughs> Thing is, you know who he is. He doesn't know who we are. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care either. No, Although his legal team does, so it's all allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Episode three brings some surprises, not less than the fact that uh, Bryce Dallas Howard directed this episode. Now, some of you might say, who is this lady you speak of? Well, you would be right. She is only famous for, apart from being in Jurassic Park, is the daughter of Ron Howard. I'm I mean, sure people would disagree. I mean, what I would say about this is one of the things Star Wars does well slash, I suppose, badly is the fact that it always very much earmarks who's the bad guy off the bat. I mean, when you look at a character in Star Wars, you can instantaneously go, good guy, bad guy. And when we all turned up to the David Jones Pirates of the Caribbean island planet you instantly looked at them and went bad guys no good then and so when a couple of the really dodgy looking ones go come on our shit we'll see you right i'm going you're a fucking idiot i'm telling you you're an idiot and lo and behold it turns out i was right yeah but isn't that a good thing because we haven't got long episodes to spend the time to decide whether they're good or bad the fact that you can work that out means that the episode can naturally evolve without you having to find yourself kind of guessing i mean this is the thing with these episodes they are very very tightly filmed and they're very quick with the narrative so basically each one continues from the last one yeah so in the in their own so if you just watched it on its own it's got a story it's got a point to it it's yeah. got beginning start middle end which is the classic per- sort of things for a story but then it continues so obviously this one episode three begins where he's now on the planet trask which is where frog lady needed to be yeah so you've got that now you know where you stand so the heiress episode brings us something that the fans were going crazy about and we're always looking for is bo-katan Kree's 
yeah. who is the deposed leader of the Mandalorian homeworld from the Clone Wars. So fans of the comic, the Clone Wars will know who Bo-Katan is. Also played by, and Mark will say, oh yeah, she was in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, that's and, what I'd say. Uh, apparently everything she was in. Starbuck, she was. Yeah, Starbucks. The, if you'd like to be a sponsor, the two marks at yeah. <laughs> thepodstation.co.uk if you want to help a charitable cause. We're mm-hmm. very charitable. If you want to get us someone who doesn't have to jump into his boots. Yeah, get Mark in your car. car. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was in the old days, you see. I'm still poor, but... Just... <laughs> you just don't have to climb <laughs> in the boot. Yeah, I do. yeah, I've moved up from boot climbing. Uh, go see our, our social media for the uh, video to which Mark is referring. Oh, wow. So, yes, yeah, so she was voiced in The Clone Wars by... What was the lady's name? It is Katie Sackoff. <laughs> Katie Sackoff, yes. It's a brilliant name, that. that. <laughs> yeah. That's a proper schoolboy so, giggle. Yeah. So Casey Sackoff actually voiced her in the Clone Wars, and it's really good that she's been able to play the character that she's been voicing. She's clearly been to the gym. She looks so slender, doesn't she, now, compared to how she was in Battlestar? Yeah, yeah, she looks... I mean, she plays I mean, a great role, proper. doesn't she, in this? Yeah, I mean, but if you compare the way she looks in this to her cartoon animated version of her, they are very similar which I don't know whether she's either decided to go to the gym to sculpt herself to look like the character, which is dedication to your acting, or it just so happens that she looks like the cartoon version of You her. would do, but though, wouldn't you? I mean, if you're getting paid for a living for yeah. it and you know there's a cult fan base for these characters, you would go all out to make yourself yeah. look as much like that character as possible. Yeah, and I'm grateful for that because all it does is it makes the fans feel that they're being served or makes them less moaning. (laughs) You just, I mean, (laughs) the thing with the fans, they're a fickle species, you know, they either are very happy or they're not simply very binary in that decision and so I'm grateful that she's gone and put the effort in and she's a really good actress as well. Yeah, Yeah. you've got Bosch flying the ship. Who? Bosch. Oh, yes. Sorry, I thought you meant as in the uh, bounty hunter. No, yeah, no, the, Bosch is the imperial captain flying the ship. I mean, yeah, that is. must have been the easiest gig he's ever had. He just got paid for <laughs> about 20 minutes' work. I imagine he's in between series. But he's also, isn't he, the evil one on Lost? Is he? I don't know. Yeah. I've seen Lost. Seen okay, spoilers. Did you ever watch Lost, Dave? No, never watched that. I think I watched about 20 minutes and then got lost and couldn't be lost. <laughs> nice yeah maybe want to go back and watch so again he's in it but she plays a really strong character anyway and they're obviously trying to get the dark saber isn't she yeah that's her aim is to get that and that's obviously canon because in canon she has the dark saber you see i didn't know any of this because i hadn't no, watched I any of the Clone Wars that this comes from. I hadn't seen any of that, so I was oblivious. As far as I was concerned, she was just the leader of a Mandalorian yeah. clan that happened to be based on this planet, and they had a beef with the Empire, the as Empire, it was. And, and, and yeah, I was quite happy to yeah. help the Mando just, yeah, cause yeah. grief. She basically wants the dark saber off Moff Gideon and her team that what this episode does do is it sheds some light more onto the different secular variations of the Mandalorians because he doesn't take his mask off and you'll be notably aware that they do they have do, their yeah. helmets off. Again, not an innuendo. No. Mando doesn't pull his helmets off as much as they do. They pull them off. You couldn't help yourself, could you? No. no. You, 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 even, you even apologised before you did it and then still went on to do it. It's like, don't touch that. You're a child. <laughs> yeah. But yes, Titus Welliver appears in this, and as Mark quite rightly says, he plays Bosch. He's been with loads of stuff. He's another actor that does kind of a lot of work, doesn't he, in various TV shows and stuff. But Bosch is his main 
go to. And the thing is, is he's one of the hardcore ones because he won't fold. I mean, no. they basically hold the ship, don't they, with the crappiest stormtroopers. And to set the record straight, although stormtroopers can't hit a barn door at 100 yards, they are actually extremely well trained. I don't know whether they've kept that in now where they can't actually shoot things properly just for the sake of the fun. But obviously they defend the ship and what's her name? Botang. Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. Makes her way to the bridge and she's trying to find him off Gideon and he's not going to tell her where she is and basically shoots himself, doesn't he? Yeah. No, uh, uh, does he shoot himself? No, he, because he eats one crashes of... the sh- goes to crash the ship. Does he bite down on a kind of a cyanide pill? Yeah, I thought it was like a cyanide pill thing he went for. He did the old oh, Hydra yeah. secret agent, pop the bad tooth out and eat yeah. it. So he won't tell her where it is. The Razor Crest has been crashed and is now being repaired. One of the interesting things is quite nice was the fact that where he parks it in that sort of shipyard area, it's being repaired by a sort of a decommissioned Atat Walker. I thought that was quite funny when he landed it and he thought he was going to land it and then he landed it in the water. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, yeah I, th- that was quite good. I did find that amusing. One was it's, amused. It's hanging together with just spit and yeah. chewing gum in it, really. Yeah. I mean, you've got to ask the question of how he's managed to survive in space, notably yeah. one of the yeah. most extreme and hostile environments hostile, yeah in the universe and he's basically driven between planets as you say in a ship that's held together with cling film and a little bit of love (laughs) that's about it and two engines that just smoke all the time yeah one of the things it does show he does actually get into his little bedroom doesn't he which is like a little cupboard yeah so he's a bit like a hobbit in his own ship so i think when he gets into that little cupboard that's how he keeps himself safe to be fair, though, there's the amount of damage that ship took. I'm surprised he found enough pieces of it to yeah. weld it back together because we're talking blaster yeah. shots, talking about putting holes in it. You don't suddenly go, oh, well, so I'll just knock that out. <laughs> I'll just staple some cardboard yeah. to it. Yeah, I'll get what's name's Kellogg's Cornflakes box back in. <laughs> it's like those ones where you see the cars with the broken windows and they have like a shirt and they just stretch the shirt and shut the door <laughs> on the shirt. So you've just got yeah. it stretched across where should be the, the glass window. Well, you yeah. can just get some more cornflakes for Baby Yoda. He'll eat them all and then he, he's got loads of... Well, he can't, Dave, because he's full on eggs, isn't he? He's, <laughs> he's, eggs, he's yeah. eating all the Spiders. eggs. Yeah, he's won the Cool Hand Luke competition and he's done the food challenge and he's eaten 50 eggs. Frog woman's crying her eyes out because that's the whole family gone. Yeah. And you're going, it's all right, have some more Kellogg's conflicts. My family, my family's dead. Shall we move on to the next one? Yeah, so episode four, chapter 12, The Siege. So this one goes dark massively. This one, interestingly enough, is directed by Carl Weathers. I mean, what do you Um, mean by dark? I didn't feel there was a massive tonal shift here. Well, it goes dark because it kind of shows how an ex-stormtrooper or someone who worked for the Imperial Emperor, what would you call it, the Empire? The Empire. How they basically, in making decisions on the battlefield, wipe out troops just for the greater good this one kind of just goes a bit darker than it normally yeah. does obviously we see grief in there i mean that's his name i thought this one was quite funny where they dragged that geezer along who he arrests in the very first episode he's sure for driving them to this base where they're going to be breaking in to blow it up i think and yeah. he's like oh well i'll just wait out here and he's like no you won't you'll come on in no sooner he steps outside the vehicle i think something lands on it doesn't it yeah. and destroys yeah. it i thought it was still quite a light hearted episode even though i suppose the setting was a bit more death star darth Vader-y, dark and moody isn't this the one where baby yoda goes to school yeah 
Oh, yeah. And, and he's a little bastard again, isn't he? He's it? a bastard. He uses the force to get the biscuit. He does. He nicks that kid's biscuits. I mean, in fairness, the kid was asking for it because he's being yeah. a greedy little toad, wasn't he? And you've got blue biscuits. What more do you want? He's going to eat them, isn't he? Yeah. He steals all of them. I mean, genius. Yeah. Absolute genius. But that's proper shithousery. That's Star Wars <laughs> shithousery. Never stops eating. This particular episode lends some answers to what we saw in the last part of the latest Star Wars movies in regards to how Snoke and the Emperor were cloned. We see the cloning vats. We see Grief, who's Carl Weathers' character. He obviously is the person involved in all the villainy in Navarro. And he's given him all the missions, doesn't he, to yeah. not pay his way. I think he's just trying to find him work, isn't he? But then you've got Cara Dune's back, the ex-Rebellion soldier. She's back. And I love her character. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a shame she has to keep posting on social media and got herself <laughs> sacked. I know. She's back, isn't she? Is she really? Oh, is she back? Yeah, I think they've done a James Gunn. Yeah. Either. Day. Are they really? From what I read the other day, Disney have folded because what she said might have been a little bit problematic, but wasn't wrong. I'm She's looking this up. Lara Dune is back. Cara Dune. Cara Dune. That'll be it. Cara Dune is Laura Laura Dune isn't back, just for the record. <laughs> Laura Dune's been sacked. Cara Dune is back. So while Mark's just doing his fact-checking, this episode has... I'm sure, is it Bill Bear's in this one again? So he helps him, doesn't he? And this is where Bill Bear has a bit of a flashback because doesn't he sit in the canteen when he's trying to put the code in? Yeah. And obviously Mando has to remove his helmet, doesn't he? And this is yeah. one of these moments where he's caught between his belief system and his guild doing the right thing to get the code. Bill Bear's character buys time is chatting to the Imperial commander, is it? No, that's later on. Don't we get some cool sort of trucks in this one? Is that this one? They want to blow it up, don't oh, they? No. They go into what is they like the volcano the mountain. It's like the typical oh, yeah. superhero base Let's... hidden in a mountain with lots of lava and people making evil laughs in the background yeah. and yes. dead bodies floating in liquid. And, and, ahead. and they blow yeah. it up. That's essentially the full extent of the plan the plan was drive there get in blow it up get out which yeah. is about as detailed as the notes that I tend to make for this show yeah I jumped ahead as well don't worry boys one of us is professional the one without the notes will keep everyone on track they go there on a land speeder yeah, yeah. because the guy you're talking about is Mithriel the blue guy yeah yes That's it. so what have you two been thinking about while I've been talking for the last 50 minutes you're like what on earth is Mark going on about which geezer in the car doing a what what well I'm still talking about the villain and scream too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to go back to that. No, I think I've jumped ahead. I was looking at my notes and I've obviously got Dark Episode, which is not the name of a Star Wars film. Yeah. Basically, I'm talking the one with Bill Bear, the comedian. Yeah, that's very later on. And yeah. that was a dark one, but Scream 2 is the one to watch. <laughs> Mithriol's the blue guy who is the one you said was arrested in season one and he's now yeah. the, as you say glorified chauffeur who's making snide comments about well he's basically be made his bitch hasn't he that's <laughs> yeah. all it is I mean there's no other way to describe it he has to do all the crap jobs and every time he moans about it or raises an issue every time he tries to apply his legally entitled employee rights Cal Weathers yeah. just turns around and go I'll knock another five years off your 4,555 year yeah. sentence or you can go back in the freezer yeah the reason why this has got a dark tone is because because when we see the cloning vats, we then realise why they wanted Yoda. Yeah, and obviously with the, the musical score that they have accompanying it and the just the tone of this particular episode just gives you that sadness that they've been trying to hunt down baby Yoda for simply... Yeah. And how everybody looks as well. See previous notes about bad people looking like bad people and good people looking yeah. like good people. Yeah. So that's pretty much that one, isn't it? And obviously they get away in their ship. We get to see those carrier ships again that we saw in C- 
season, season well one. I, I mean before we move on just very briefly this episode probably comes third from bottom in my hierarchy of this season if you know what I mean it's a good season but it's not brilliant but it's sort of after this season they sort of slip it into top gear it just gets noticeably yeah. better and again when I'm saying better that's not to suggest that the starting point is poor the starting point is these were brilliant episodes I thoroughly enjoyed them and I will watch them again too oh my god a little bit of we came out as we watched the following episodes <laughs> but we comes out every episode well that's just bladder issues but we'll come to that another day bladder issues is not a character in the mandalorian <laughs> <laughs> although it could be bladder issues could be a bounty hunter on the planet trask they get away and they blow up the cloning vats they sail off on the back of land speeder isn't it land speeder. yeah episode five chapter 13 is called the jedi now i can imagine why mark has a little bit of we come out because anything when you have the word jedi in it Mm. unless you fill in the census basically (laughs) it wasn't on the one that I filled in this time round do you have to tick other now Dave because they did actually put it on didn't they uh, yeah, I think you'd have to tick other and then write it. Yeah, because at one point enough people put Jedi for them yeah. to have to add it as yeah, an actually recognised option yeah. on the form. For our American listeners, is it every 10 years they do it? Yeah. Every yeah. 10 years the government sends out a questionnaire which we're legally required to complete and they use that information to build information about how society has changed over the course of time. So yeah, I mean, I love this episode. It was yeah. really cool. And I did didn't know anything about this character either i know you're gonna go on to the fact that she was from the cartier i don't know whether she was from the clone wars as well but it was only retrospectively that i found out this was actually a pre-existing yeah. character uh, she was in, in the prequels as well wasn't she mark yeah yeah so she's in there as well oh well, I've got an Easter egg about that later on. But basically, to answer your question, she was in the Clone Wars animated and Rebels animated series. But to kind of throw in the Easter egg a little bit earlier than usual, she's most famous for being Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. And she, at one point, renounced the Jedi. So there's a lot for this character. There's a lot for her to be developed and that fans don't know of her so, so why did she renounce being a jedi don't know you'll have to ask her you'll be able to because there is in fact a spin-off show on disney plus called ashoka so she was under the tutelage of anakin oh that's pretty oh. cool i did not know yeah. that so bearing in mind as we know anakin becomes darth vader so maybe she left the jedi simply because he went to the dark side and she didn't want to have anything to do with it and so she just went into the well your typical wilderness period mm. You know, we've all been there, if you name Steve Jobs. Yeah. You know, it doesn't always work out for you, does it? Steve Jobs, if you're in the wilderness period, hashtag next, which he got sacked from. But basically, that's what happened with her character. And she's, when we, we kind of pick her character up as this episode, The Heiress. So Mandalorian and Baby Yoda arrive in the city of Caladan on the planet Corvus, which is basically where Bo-Katan told them go. It's one of these outsider cities. They have an imperial magistrate. So this again shows us how the imperial, the empire has now sort of broken up into those warlords and each one's kind of vying for supremacy. And obviously that's canon where the warlords are basically trying to get all the other warlords to group together and they're fighting each other for supremacy. And this is before the first order or in fact the last order at the bar please comes about. And it picks up quite quickly where the tyrants called Morgan Elsbeth. 
she has a job for Mando and he yeah. wants to kill the Jedi that keeps killing her soldiers. And obviously we find out that this particular Jedi is Ashoka Tano, played by the wonderful Rosaria Dawson. And I think, again, she made a perfect choice for the character. She just looked like the character. I'm glad that she did. they went with her. She was great as Night Nurse in Luke Cage and the other one. Daredevil. Was she in Daredevil? Yeah. I think she was in all of them, actually. Iron Fist and Jessica Jones. Yeah. I mean, Nightmare was the person who introduced Daredevil because she actually helped Spider-Man when he injured himself and was introduced to Daredevil. So there you go. That's the connective tissue to that. Will we see her again in other stuff? We don't know. But she actually played this character very well. And we also find the big reveal is Baby Yoda... Isn't called Baby Yoda, is he? No. He'll, he al- he'll always yeah, be Baby Yoda to me. Yeah, just Baby Yoda. The uh, kid. Grogu. And we find out that he was a Jedi Padwan during Order... Which order was it? Order 88? 66. 66. 88 is beef, mushrooms and crackers. <laughs> <laughs> So don't get them mixed up because one, you might end up just killing a Jedi, the other one, you yeah. just get your meal. Turns out that he was actually a underling, what they call young foundling. Young he was a foundling, like youngling, pick one, and was saved somehow by somebody. He didn't get killed by Anakin Skywalker. So there's historical, chemical information about that character. And obviously we know he's about 50 at this point. So it fits into the fact that he was probably being trained as a Padawan under the tutelage of a Jedi master. So this one, a really good impactful episode, I thought. Oh, this is a sexy bitch of an episode. I mean, it's shot so beautifully. Everything about it, the mist, the colours, it's just moody as fuck. And everything about it is just brilliant. I just really like this. And actually looking back, if you take out her as the Jedi character that gets shot excited... There isn't a huge amount particularly that happens in this episode. And yet, for some reason, I really, really like this one. It's a bit like in The Empire Strikes Back when you're in the forest. It's got that sort of vibe. Yeah. It feels mystical and magical and you kind of want to hang around to see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing was just really well put together because, as you rightly say, again, I think a positive for the whole these types of episodes in the whole season is they don't, if you think about it, you're breaking it down as a review. There's not that much that's happening, but when you're watching it, there's lots happening. Yeah, loads of little things. But if you were, if you were to relate to someone, you would just bullet point it and go, it yeah. turns up to this city, you get given a job to kill the Jedi, it turns out to be this woman who's just kick-ass. She um, tells him some information, then they team yeah. up to free a village. Exactly, so you're essentially just being drip-fed with a bit of a breadcrumb to the next episode. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, there's only eight episodes of around about 35, 40 minutes each episode. You would expect them not to be able to get to the end of it, mm-hmm. but actually they do, and they do it quite successfully. And you don't feel like it's a, a shorter episode because of the fact that you're watching it. You're just, I suppose, fixated by it all. I mean, you find out loads about Baby Yoda in this, don't you? Which is probably yeah, the yeah. main part of the story that gets moved along here. Beyond that, you just follow how superly, megaly cool she is with her ability just to kill every person who gets even remotely yeah. in her way. I mean, you would not pick a fight with her, would you? No. Well, whether she's still a Jedi or she's not, she's basically been trained as a Jedi. So as soon as she whips out that lightsaber, you're probably just going to step away. But the thing is, is Mando also finds out loads about Baby Yoda in this. He does. And we also, there's some sort of speculation, but Admiral Thrawn is a character who we haven't seen. Fans obviously will know he's the blue chappy 
Grand Admiral Thrawn from Rebels as well. Basically, we get a little bit of a glimpse, another controversial moment that Grogu could actually go to the dark side. And mm. Mando says to her, because obviously she is a Jedi, you know, would you like to train him? And she's a bit reluctant because she doesn't want to fall to the dark side. Now, that's yeah. why I said earlier, I think she ends up going into the wilderness because in this episode, she says that she's afraid of another trainee going to the dark side like Anakin. So not that I know for a fact, but logic would dictate that because she was being trained by essentially Darth Vader, that's going to mess with your head. I know, but I do get quite frustrated with these Jedi Masters who continually go, no, nah, I don't want to train them. It's too dangerous. They might become bad. And their definition of bad is they stump the toe on the edge of the bed on the way to the <laughs> toilet and let out a swear word. It's like, oh, dark side, yeah. feeling pain, feeling anger. It's like, that's because somebody put a fucking stool in the walkway between my bed and the toilet and I've hurt myself and if I find out who it is I'm going to tell them what's for or oh, dark side can't train you you're going to become a baddie you it's like no I've just stubbed my toe I'll get over it I don't want to go and kill a village full of women and children on the back of stumping my toe let's not escalate it too much and then you've got the cutest of creatures in the universe although that being said I think during the course of the first few episodes we have established he is an absolute bastard when he wants to be we have done yeah he's eaten eggs he's nicked biscuits this kid's got an evil streak to him but do we think that's enough to go to the dark side it's it's indicators that if he's going to start I mean let's get things into context he's 50 years old it's Mm. essentially a granddad stealing (laughs) custard cream off your plate so you know, would you have a go at a 50-year-old? Probably not. However, would you have a go at a 50-year-old who has the power of the Jedi? You might just want to not take that gamble. Can I ask planet. the question of what a foundling is? Because I hit, keep on hearing this mentioned. and no, Youngling? It's in a youngling. Yeah. Yeah, so basically the Padwans, yeah. young children who have got the... Medichlorians. So yeah. why when, at the beginning, when he gets paid... Does he say, I'll pay for me new shoulder pad, but give the rest to the foundlings? Because if the Mandalorian were direct enemies of the Jedi, why is he contributing towards the, what is the nursery forum? His sect isn't specifically. I mean, I think the Mandalorians aren't, they're kind of anti-heroes. I think they go where the wind blows. They're not specifically. I think a lot of confusion has been is because they thought Boba Fett was a Mandalorian, but he's not. And because Boba Fett was a bounty hunter who happened to have Mandalorian armor, I mean, I know they've retconned it as we get to the close of season two, but up until the point of this show, people thought he was a Mandalorian. He wasn't. He was a guy who was cloned. And as part of the deal, Django Fett obviously was asked if he could have the young clone, which was Boba Fett. Mm. So when we see him, the kid he has is basically just a part of his own DNA. He's not a Mandalorian. He's just got the armor somehow. Mm. Same as... Cobb Varth has ended up getting it off the Jawas. So we kind of allude from that episode that somehow the Jawas have been bobbing around the Sarlacc pit and have managed to get the regurgitated armor from the Sarlacc pit. And I'm sure as we move into, well, don't forget, coming this Christmas, we've got the book of Boba Fett coming. Yeah. So we'll know exactly where that came from by this year, Christmas. So what they're doing is they're throwing all these characters up and then they're going to go and do a show. A little bit of, for the listeners, I've got a bit of inside track. I was working on a job the other day and there is a code name called Pilgrim. Does anyone want to take a guess of what the Pilgrim code name relates to? And the person I was working with had just done two weeks on this show and obviously the clue is it's a Star Wars thing. Is it Obi-Wan? It is. Obi-Wan, isn't it? Yeah. Because I watched the promo trailer for that the other day, and that was quite good. Mm. 
that's actually filming right now. Who's playing him then, Mark? It's Ewan McGregor. Uh, McGregor. Is it? Re- I yeah. Well, no, the difference is because I saw an Instagram of him. They had to make his hair grey. Yeah. Well, now they don't. So they've been very clever. They've done it in the right time frame. Yeah. So when these are set 30 odd years after the original, so it's kind of obvious that these people have aged, which is why Boba Fett can't fit into his outfit. Like yeah. my trousers. <laughs> I should also update us on the Cara Dune thing, which at the moment is a complete and utter rumour. <laughs> there is yeah, no credible true. evidence nor announcements. There is just a rumour that's swilling around that they might change the mind. They did it with James Gunn. <laughs> Watch the space. Maybe I've just been prophetic. So yeah, basically the Obi-Wan Kenobi shows come in. So they throw these characters in and obviously they think, well, we're going to make a show about them so we can delve deeper into those characters, which is good from a money-making service. Yeah, I mean, this episode being a slower episode is usually one I don't really generally buy into. It's usually my least favourite. This is one of those episodes where normally, because it's actually a slower episode, if you take out the cool fight scenes that she's involved in, it is a lot slower, moodier episode. Normally I get a bit bored with these. I just want shit to blow up. But this is probably one of my favourite episodes. Yeah, I mean... This is the thing again, isn't it? If you would explain it to somebody, a 40-odd minute episode would be simmered down to a couple of bullet points because most of it is action, isn't it? Yeah, but a lot happens, isn't it? You, but a lot you happens. Get a lot, you get a lot of answers and yeah, and then he gets his reward, doesn't he, for killing her? Yeah. He gets yeah. a superly cool matching is, spear, doesn't he? Well, yeah. I mean, the spear is made out of his, I forgot what the name of the metal is, but it's a kick-ass piece of kit, and so now he's fully outrigged in his armor and everything else yeah but it matches um, his outfit again, that's the important thing it's the same <laughs> it's the main color. thing yeah it, it, you're not going to carry something that doesn't look good with what you're wearing does it just but, saying I mean, the episode was a strong episode i quite like the fight scenes personally and you know the scenes where he's trying to get grogu to go with ashoka and she's reluctant that was good characters there you know, you've got, I mean, Mark was talking about the fog and the mist of Corvus. You know, that's part of it. It builds all that up, doesn't it? Yeah, just a really, really strong episode yeah. for this particular one. What about the next one? Because this one's a bit more, I keep on saying that they kept on getting better. But actually, think about this episode was probably one of the weaker ones. This next episode six, the tragedy, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, now you see we're moving into areas where we've not really had anything come before. So the tragedy was basically a bounty hunter extravaganza, wasn't it? A lot of action, fast-paced again, full of excitement, surprises, lots happening. But, you know, it's opened up more. So now Mando can obviously give Grogu to Ashoka to train. And it was his duty that the armorer gave him to look after, to get Grogu to his sacred home. And then now he's got another task that he was given by Ashoka, which is to go to Tython, where... Do you know what this reminds me of? You know, when you go into a supermarket to take something back and they go, oh, no, you can't do it here. You need to go to the customer <laughs> service counter. And then you go to the customer service counter, but actually it's not the customer service counter because having joined the queue and got to the front, they go, no, no, the customer service counter is actually just round the side of this counter. This is the yeah. other counter. So then you have to go and join it. That's what this feels like. This poor lad. 
dad just wants to take this kid back to where he's from. And every time he meets him, he goes, yeah, 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 no, it's still the county you need. Just a bit further. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've just got (laughs) something else to do first. Well, this is the bit about I was saying about the breadcrumbs. Each episode gives us another piece of the puzzle and another breadcrumb to follow. So this episode now, he's following the task given to him by Ashoka to go to the ancient homeworld of the Jedi, which is Tython. I think I've pronounced that correctly. And then the idea being that he is then able to meet presumably another Jedi for him to get Grogu to be trained by. And basically, I suppose, takes it to the next level because up until that point, we were calling him Baby Yoda, which gives yeah. him a bit of that vulnerability. But actually now we know he's pretty powerful. He's got powers. He's yeah. Got and yeah. when you've got a Jedi, ex-Jedi, not wanting to fall over themselves to do the Jedi training, it kind of brings up the question of like, well, how powerful can he be? Mm-hmm. And the moment he becomes self-aware, this is the thing, isn't it? It's absolute power corrupts, absolutely. He's still Baby Yoda to me. I mean, you can say his name as many times as you want. I don't accept it's just it. Baby Yoda. Yeah, I do not recognise that name. But obviously, you can see what I thought was another good part of this, the bond that's been created between Mando yeah. and Baby Yoda. It's well, it's not that great a bond because he sits him in the middle of the rock Stonehenge place. And then he just sits there just doing his yeah. little meditation while Mando's getting his ass kicked by a million stormtroopers. And little Yoda, quite frankly, doesn't give a shit. He's no. like, I'm not bothered, I'm meditating. Get on with it. But at that point when he's meditating, did you you know he's caught, he's obviously, there's someone going to at some point arrive, isn't there? Yeah. You speculate, who is it going to be? Well, this is the sad part because I was thinking it's called the Mandalorian, but actually, Baby Yoda's, let's be honest, has stolen the show. He's taken over now. Yeah. Hasn't he? And then, yeah. so what I was thinking was if he does get taken, what do you do with the show? Because it's the Mandalorian, but mm. the bond that's been formed between the two of them make the show. You just show him wake up the next morning hungover because he's just gone on a bender and he's got toilet tissue stuck to the side of his helmet. <laughs> he's got and, and kebab <laughs> stains on his arm. <laughs> his belly it's, it joins us three months on he's got like a gut just hanging out at the yeah. bottom <laughs> he's let himself go yeah he's just like surrounded by bottles of gin he's just devastated yeah like up until then his life was worthless and now we met his kind of his buddy who's just abandoned him in a cloud of just jediness <laughs> yeah <laughs> But yeah, so he's getting battered by the stormtroopers. I mean, he's holding his own, but then admittedly he's a Mandalorian, so that would make sense. But then we get to see Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. Now, Fennec Shand was the character we alluded to last season who we just saw the shadow of someone standing over her. And fans at the time were like, oh, is it, is it Boba Fett? Is it Boba Fett? Anyway, turns out it was, and he saved mm. her. And she now feels that she needs to stay with him because she owes him something. Now, interesting point of, of note is the guy who plays Boba Fett, Tamora Morrison, never mm. actually played Boba Fett in the original TV, um, in the original films, should I say. He actually played Django Fett. Uh, but okay. because we like to retcon stuff, the poor British guy, who was Boba Fett has been written out of the historical chapters. And as far as we're concerned now, Tamora Morrison was Boba Fett. So there you go. He's a miserable get, isn't he? Yeah. Well, he's been chewed up by some big desert mouth thing. Yeah, well, clearly, again, this is going to get picked up on, I hope, the book of Boba Fett of the time he spent in the Sarlacc pit. Mm. Because, I mean, it's time on the barge on... What's his name? What's his name? Emma the Hutt. Jabba. <laughs> Jabba the Hutt. Jabba? 
Jabba the Hutt. Shabba. Shabba. Baba the Bobba. Bobba the Hutt. Bobba the Hutt. <laughs> and Jabba um, the Fett. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he literally just got knocked off, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, for I all, of his, all of us. <laughs> All of his skills as a bounty hunter, Han Solo accidentally touched his rocket pack and he ended up just flying straight into the pit. That was it, done. See <laughs> ya. Clearly he's had some sort of scrape or something. So he's either climbed out of the pit and he's got all these scars now, but we get to see him again, which was handy. And obviously we now know for certain what happened with the woman. What's her name? Fennec Shand. Fennec Shand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, great characters. Yeah, I mean, they are. He's obviously nuanced. I mean, he's a miserable get, but he's nuanced insofar as he's from previous. So he adds that link back to sort of the original films, which everyone gets excited about. I liked yeah. her. Is it Ming-Na Wen? Yes. Who plays yeah. it? I liked that character in the first time we saw her, and I like her as a character as well. I mean, everything I've seen her in, I've always enjoyed, or rather I've enjoyed her in whatever it is she's been in. So I was quite happy to see this, and they added something to the mix, yeah, didn't they? they get stuck in. Yeah, they do. Add a few stormtroopers, get rid of a few, and, yeah, you know. It was, it was a good episode. A lot blow of some shit up, don't they, Dave? Blah, blow stuff up, smack a few people around, and it's all good. <laughs> Just sounds like a Friday night in Liverpool, that. Yeah, that's it, yeah. But unfortunately, the Razor Crest doesn't make it, does it? Oh, well, it's not coming back. <laughs> I, I wonder whether they might try and repair it. The A-team just go, well, that'll just knock itself out, that. Just, <laughs> that out. It ain't coming back. Play the music. <laughs> <laughs> duh, duh, duh. <laughs> right. Yeah. I bounce off that double-sided sticky tape. Yeah. So basically, you just got Howling Mad Murdoch just nodding his head going, nah, that's not going to buff out <laughs> that, mate. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they're on another planet with very little in the way of natural resources. There is not like some random sort of tin shed seller who's no. selling bits of sheet metal. No. <laughs> I mean, it's going, yeah, mate, do you want some sheet metal, some 8 8 We'll weave the body of the ship out of grass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then just breathe in when you go into space. Just yeah. don't breathe out. Just for 12 hours. <laughs> 12 hours. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe what you want to get, Baby Grogu, or uh, Bob, Baby Grogu. Baby Grogu, yeah, we'll talk about mixing it. I mean, you're not, you can't have it yeah, both ways. Pick a side, Mark, and stick to it. Okay, well, let's go Baby Yoda. <laughs> you could just basically put that force field around him, his meditation shield, and they could just fly inside that in whatever's left. I think there's probably the chair. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's the thing that like, in a plane crash? What's the thing that exists? Oh, black, box. black box. Yeah, just jump in the black box. That'll keep you yeah. safe. I'm looking on IMDb, and this episode gets nine point two out of ten. Whereas the next episode, chapter fifteen slash episode seven, stay with me. That gets nine out of ten. Now I'm surprised by that because I actually think this episode, the one where they break into the tother evil baddie base which is the one that you two were talking about prematurely yeah. earlier i actually thought that episode was better than meditating baby yoda yeah i, I, I was, actually like that one simply because bill bear is a hilarious comedian yeah. and that mixed with the action and the whole story worked really well this one again if you were to simmer it down is simply he goes to a planet mm. to meditate to find the jedi and then there's a big fight scene and basically Slave One is used to transport the Mandalorian off the planet. Yeah. I mean, pretty cool that you get to ride in Slave One. I've never yeah. heard of Billy Burr before. I sort of roughly recognised him from season one. I had well, no idea where I'd seen him from, and I don't recognise him for anything. Do you, Dave? I've never seen him in anything. He's an American, American comedian. Is he? Yeah. Or like stand-up type. 
yeah, he's on Netflix, right. all over Netflix. I mean, he's basically no nonsense. If you watch uh, Josh Rogan or Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, he's on oh, Joe, right, yeah. Joe Rogan's show a lot. In fact, he was interviewed most recently about the Cara Dune situation, and right. he stuck up for Cara Dune. And he said exactly the same as she did. And he went, if they sack me, they sack me. He was surprised that they asked him in the first place because he has quite strong views on things. But he's like a comedian. And as he said, what are you going to do? Cancel me. Freedom of speech. He's got on record as sticking up for Cara Dune. And he's a good friend of her. He was surprised that he actually got the role he did and was asked back for season two. He might not be invited back for season (laughs) three then. (laughs) I mean, the unemployment line for Disney Plus is going to get... (laughs) If they're going to create this environment... People are just gonna have to start handing in their P forty fives. Although I yeah. think they'll backpedal and do a James Gunn. But yeah, he's a, a comedian and he's been in a few things, but he's notably more for uh, the type of well, humour. If you find him funny, I really like this episode. Did you, Dave? Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Are we now talking about fifteen slash seven? Yeah, yeah. Well, we very right. quickly mark yeah. secretly through this one in. I think the thing on this one, we get back to good old Star Wars stuff. There's loads You're of back in, aren't we? Lots yeah, we're back in. Loads of stormtroopers. You know what I like? The stormtroopers that are dirty. And that's not dirty, as in your thing. <laughs> what oh, channels have you been watching, Dave? He's <laughs> watching Star Wars porn. Just, just Google it. <laughs> dirty stormtroopers. I'll have to wipe me internet history afterwards. Yeah, we get all nice, you know, stormtroopers in lorries and stuff like that. And it's just all good stuff in it. It's proper Star Wars. Yeah, well, you got the, you're talking about the battle tank. Yeah, there's like a transport, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, they're trying the big, to get inside the base, aren't yeah, they, without yeah. being notified. Yeah. They'll sort of notify everybody that that's what they're doing. Dave's right, this is a classic actioner. It's got all the elements that you need for a really good episode. It's got all of the humour. It's got your sort of yippee stuff going on. Yeah. The one-liners from Bill Bear. Yeah. It's got the dynamics between the characters. Yeah. You're building upon the previous episode yeah. with what's going on. It's got the action and another mission, another piece of the puzzle to sort well, of. What so, I like about this one is you get to see what the Empire do when they're, you know, in a canteen. Having, <laughs> having <a sit laughs> on the downtown. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> These are the things where they're kind of picking up, aren't they? The things that weren't covered in the films. Yeah. You know, and Carl Well, like Dune... tea break. Yeah. I'm sure when they were looking at the script where it's like, <laughs> yeah, Darth Vader reveals that he's Luke's father. Cut to the canteen. <laughs> yeah. There'll be a subway in there or a... <laughs> You know, if Subway uh, would like to be a sponsor, by the way, <laughs> the team marks at the pod or station. Don't go to... Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll take your money. We're Disney. not prejudiced now. No. But no, I mean, it's just the minutiae that you want, probably mm. wouldn't cover in a blockbuster movie. No yeah. one's interested in the fact that a stormtrooper goes home to his wife and she's made him a, you know, a packed lunch. No. You know, and he's got two little baby stormtroopers. You get all the different types of stormtroopers as well, which I think is yeah. cool. But for this particular episode, it was a valuable thing simply because, you know, we see Cara Dune, she's back. She's now firmly positioned in her new role as the New Republic Space yeah. Police, the Imperial Mercenary guy, which is what Bill Bear plays, Mayfield, who obviously we saw last season. He's now out at the Labour camp. They've needed him to get back in because his authorization codes are still valid. I mean, so hang on, let's just stop there for a second, shall we? I mean, who's he? In charge of their internet I security. I mean, fucking hell. Terrible. How long's Terrible. he been out of the game? And how much shit? I mean, he's been locked up in prison for a star. At what yeah. point does a former employee who's now locked in prison still have access yeah. to your systems with the password? It's like breaches all data protection laws. Yeah, Darth Vader needs to go and strangle the person in charge of just passwords because that's an outrageous <laughs> thing. Where is password? Yeah, Gro- Rogue One. <laughs> 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 Username Rogue One <laughs> uh, Password Badass Yeah Darth <laughs> Yeah I mean, Favourite colour Black 
<laughs> I thought, and I mean, I know there's loads of action in this, and there's quite a lot of funny bits as well. When Mando sticks on the Stormtrooper outfit, everyone's sort of giggling at him because yeah. he's still adhering to his code of not showing his face, yeah. but he's dressed exactly like the people he usually kicks ass on. Yeah. But there are some quite nice, nuanced parts when they're in the base and he has to show his face in order to gain access to the computer bill burr's character is really quite sensitive and understanding about the mental strife that he's sort of had to overcome just to reveal his face and i thought it was quite touching the way he dealt with that in the same way that there's always a danger here and i think this is what the mandalorian did really well mayfield as a character obviously used to be part of the stormtroopers we find out in this episode he's got a massive bugbear because him and all his gang were sent in just to be pigs to the slaughter and he's got a real issue about it but you only find that out in this episode when he spots his ex-gaffer and wants to go over there and tear him a new one. And that's quite refreshing because normally when you've got a character who's been sent in and let down and seen all his mates die, he's usually the one sitting at the bar drunk as a skunk, moaning and bitching about it all the time and being the gruff, moody sod in the back corner. And yet, actually, his character is not even remotely like that. You don't get any inkling that that is a problem. And yet, when it does come to the fore in this episode and he does go, yeah, I want to go and kick that fella's ass because he got a load of us killed and didn't care less, you do still believe that that is right and that's true. And that's a credit to how he plays this character both previously and in this episode, and the writers who avoided all those really, really irritating tropes that you can fall into. And also, yeah, you're setting him up to be part of the gang in the future as well, aren't you? Well, not now. He's he's, he's, he's been supported Caradoon's (laughs) posts. He's in the same pink lip queue that she's in. He'll be there. He'll be there. The fans will not allow this shit to go down. There's more fans than there are Disney executives. It's a numbers game, let's be honest. It comes down to the dollar. Dollar, dollar. Me not being funny, the one film that was absolutely lost money was Solo. And the reason why is because Ryan Johnson fucked up the last Jedi film and all the fans didn't bother going to Solo. No. So it's the only Star Wars film to make a loss at the box office. Can I put it on record that I really liked The Last oh, Jedi? All right. Did you, Dave? I just thought it lost a bit, but I still went. I still love Solo. I wasn't keen on went Solo. On I thought Solo no, I thought was unnecessary, but... I really liked The Last Jedi. Solo ended up in the same category as The Joker, but unfortunately, due to lack of movies over COVID, I had to watch it. Had you not seen The Last Jedi? No, I've seen Last Jedi. It was Solo. I didn't want to watch it. Oh, right. Got you. Because COVID, obviously, cinemas and Hollywood closed for business. So I was forced to watch that. And what did you think? They didn't need it. It's like, do you need to have everything spoon-fed to you, or are you an adult who can make the leap yourself? Yeah. What, where he came from. Yeah, you don't need an origin story just because you want to say how you say the name Han, just so somebody can go, we can make a movie because people say Han or people say Han, just so we can confirm that actually it's Han. Yeah. Who cares? Well, Who it, cares? it's like the dice that hang in the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. It was the hanging and pointing it and going, look, look, people, look, yeah, look, the yeah. dice, look. And then you're going, oh, I'll give over. I really never cared about where they came from. I just thought they looked cool. Now yeah, you've just spoiled it for me. As Mark's saying, the film was basically just a massive retcon for things that you've seen in the other movies in the 1970s, 80s, and then ended up being a woke fest of, let's fucking go to the races and save all these horses because they're so hot. 
hard done to with loads of NPC characters yeah. that nobody cares about. We don't know who you are. We're just ticking boxes at this point. Let's have some pandering. Please pile it on. No one's interested. And the fans weren't interested. So it made a loss all because Ryan Johnson, who isn't a fan, took J.J. Abrams and went, I'll take all your stuff that you've set up in the first film and I'm going to put it in the bin. I'm going to kill fucking Snoke because yeah. I can. And Catherine Kennedy is just going to go, oh, more money. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, if you've seen these films, whoops. So basically that is what happened. And that's why you need to be careful. Don't piss off the fans because there's more fans than Disney people. There you go. Right. So we all enjoyed this episode. Yeah. What episode are we on now? We've just got details of where they hide in Baby Yoda. Yeah. They were looking for details of where the ship is for Moff Gideon. Yeah, because yeah. they knew that that's where so Baby cool. Yoda would be. Yeah. I just said that. Yeah. Where Baby so, Yoda would be. Yeah. They were looking for yeah, Baby Yoda. Yeah, they know Moff's got Baby Yoda, and they yeah. want to go and save Baby Yoda, so they had to find out where Moff might be. Where's the Moff? Yeah. Follow the light. <laughs> 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 so basically that's more or less the end of it isn't it yeah. I mean you still got Boba Fett and Fennec Shan knocking around yeah but what it does show is are the kind of the length and the bond that the Mandalorian has to deliver Grogu or Baby Yoda to his destination to continue yeah. his journey we now move seamlessly as it appears into the last episode of the season chapter 16 episode 8 the rescue which again brings another wonderful dramatic close to the season yeah. There was quite an action he won again, wasn't it? Yeah. We had all classic Star Wars stuff, didn't we? You know, some idiot letting them through on a shuttle. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it always happens. It's same idiot who's got... I mean, in fairness to these people, if they're working off the same security system as yeah. the ones who were supposed to change passwords when you get sacked... Say any, yeah, yeah, say anything and you get through. Well, if your password's password... <laughs> Yeah, you're going to get in, aren't you? If you think about it, the only improvement was a facial scan. But if a Mandalorian who doesn't take his head off, take his take his helmet off often, suddenly just shows his, his big fat face and it lets him through, just shows you how ridiculous that is, doesn't it? This one reunites Bo-Katan Kreese again and her lieutenant, Oscar Reeves. And this mission now is basically to face off against Moff Gideon, yeah. sort out Baby Yoda. And basically this is the build-up now to the end of the season. And so Gideon does his best to turn the Mandalorian and Bo-Katan against one another using what he knows of the Mandalorian. Because this is the way for Bo-Katan to get the Darksaber, she needs to win in battle. Yeah which is canon. And I think the fans were really keen about this because obviously what we saw at the end of season one is that Moff Gideon was just wielding this and they were trying to work out how he ended up with it. And obviously fans new to this particular show weren't not sure what it was anyway. They just knew it had some importance within Star Star Trek. Just had some- oh, you did this the other day, didn't you? <laughs> just for the listeners' benefit, we're recording this on the seventh of May, and that's obviously four days prior to May the fourth, as in Star Wars Day. And at an event, we were celebrating the fact that it was Star Wars Day, weren't we, Dave? Of course, we were. We celebrate every year. Mark repeatedly referred to Star Trek Day and Star Trek on numerous occasions. Numerous occasions. And on the basis that he's usually such a meticulous and knowledgeable chap in these areas, (laughs) it was just another opportunity just to lay absolute hell at his door. And so now the whole world knows. He may edit this out. Who knows? You may never hear this. I get mixed up with April the 5th. (laughs) I get mixed up with First Contact Day. Cool. So May the 4th and April the 5th aren't too far away from each other, are they? No. 
No. I mean, also, I mean, May the 4th is just a play on words. Well, exactly, which is why I don't really accept the excuse you've just given. Because we say 4th of May, or do we? I've gone Americanized, I don't know. Do we say them? <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? But moving anyway. forward in this episode... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this episode on IMDb gets 9.8 out of 10, and yet when I was wow. doing a very small, admittedly, amount of research in preparation for this, all the reviews I found were quite negative about this episode. No. Yeah. No way. Yeah, they were. They, they were the actually... End, the ending alone to 10. Well, let's leave that to the end of the conversation. Yeah. Let's imagine that hadn't happened, Dave. Would you mm. still be giving it a 10? Was this still a good episode? Classic Star Wars, but you get a few fights, but no, it needed something at the end to really beef it up. Okay. Get it. Yeah, because if he just rescued him, what's he going to do? You know what I mean? He was always going to rescue him. He wasn't going to get killed, was he? I suppose it was a very Star Warsy episode, wasn't it? Break onto yeah. an Empire ship, yeah. find the person who's held captive, save them. Yeah. Um, a load of stormtroopers in the process yeah he did have that star wars one two three four five <laughs> six oh, five to yeah. it yeah yeah but he, he couldn't just you know kill moth gideon strike him down and walk off with baby yoda could he? it wouldn't fit right no there's the thing isn't it where they're trying to play one off against the other yeah and the outcome is he lets bo-katan kill moth gideon yeah Obviously, then she gets the dark saber by the tradition yeah. of that. He makes the right decision, and obviously, what we've seen over the course of this series is that Moff Gideon has been creating these really powerful dark troopers, dark troopers yeah. which were alluded to in Rogue One and over canon, have had different iterations of them. These ones are clearly not people and are more like Cylons. Would yeah. that be a right yeah. kind of comparison? So these are quite powerful troopers. So as that kind of comes to a close, the camera pans away, doesn't it? And it's kind of yeah. cuts, does a jump cut between this and we see a hooded fellow. Well, I think the first of it is when, you know, they say, oh, there's an X-Wing coming in. You wonder who that's going to be. Yeah. I mean, before we get to that, he's had a fight with Morph, with the Moth. Yeah. and got the sword and brings him up to the bridge so that What's-A-Face Starbuck can <laughs> kill him. Bo-Katan. Yeah, yeah Bo-Katan wants him. So he doesn't kill him, he just brings him up. And then you have that really awkward moment about the sword. <laughs> and, oh, no, you're now the king of the Mandalorians. And he's like, I don't want to be the king yeah. of the Mandalorians. Yeah, no, but you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but I don't want to be. Yeah, but that's because you overpowered the moth. Yeah, no, but I don't want the sword. Well, do you want the sword? No. It doesn't work like that. I've got to defeat you. Okay, I yield. You've beaten me. Here you go. No, won't work. You're still the king. (laughs) Like, hashtag awkward. And while moth's all smiley about that and laughing. (laughs) Isn't it? He's having the right time. He's like, if I'm going to die now, I'm happy. I'm happy. Going back to earlier, he's put some Star Wars shit out because he knew exactly what was happening when he lost that fight. I mean, what did we think about the end of that, really, in terms of how it was left? Are we happy with that? I mean, did it feel like an anticlimax? Were we expecting it to be? Where it just all ended up where nobody really ends up paying for their evilness? Well, they've left it really open. There doesn't appear to be a specific path that they're necessarily going to follow, although I have some ideas. They had to draw a line under the Grogu, Baby Yoda thing which they do and mm. it's then a case of where do you send the mandalorian next before it starts getting a bit samey and boring well 
clearly the Mandalorian's going to set off doing his usual travels, but with a slight caveat that he's got a target on his back because he is now the king of the Mandalorians because he's got this sword he's got the saber. that he doesn't want. Yeah, and Bo-Katan really wants the saber and she can't get it unless she kicks his ass. Mm. And so there's going to be a conflict of interest at some point. He's going to have to deal with that problem of she'll want to beat him and kill him. Does she have to kill him? Because No, he didn't kill, kill Moth Gideon. No, exactly. So I'm a bit... He has to beat him in a fight. Yeah, so I assume that's kind of where it's headed now. And Moth Gideon's going to be a prisoner somewhere and no doubt he'll escape and be back on the run. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it does feel like they've drawn a line under the story arc for episodes one and two and they're going to start almost from scratch going mm. forward. I mean, yeah, I think it leaves it open purposely, doesn't it? Because... Let's be honest, when you've got Gus Fring on your show, it's going to be a draw, isn't it, for fans? And he plays mm-hmm. villains very well, historically. I mean, you know, there's a bit of dynamic between Bo-Katan because obviously the difference between her guild and the Mandalorian's guild is obviously touched upon. But then you've thrown into the mix, you've got Boba Fett, and she kind of dismisses him because he's a clone. What we didn't mention is that they retcon the fact that he is linked to the Mandalorian's when he shows the genealogy on his wrist, his palm pilot, at the end of the previous episode, well, a couple of episodes ago, hmm. he shows his palm pilot, doesn't he? Mandalorian, who gives as authentication to get his proper suit back because he thanks Mando, doesn't he, for keeping hold of his suit. And he goes, hang on a minute, can you prove that you are actually a Mandalorian? So they go back at his family tree and it turns out that his great great auntie once had a goldfish that <laughs> was linked to a Mandalorian. And he went, yeah. all right, mate. The, the old checks and balances again works well right. in the world of Star Wars. It's like yeah. man down the pub told me you're a Mandalorian. Here's your costume yeah. back with all your Kellogg's cornflakes on it. So obviously there's that dynamic between Bo-Katan, who is a Mandalorian, doesn't really accept you know Boba Fett as one. You've then got Koska, who's willing to fight on behalf of the greater good. You've got this fight between you know the dark troopers that are basically powerful enough to smash in Beskar, which is most yeah. powerful armor. Yeah. or metal there is and then how it's left and the biggest things that had fans just messing themselves the world over was as all this is taking place and you know it looks like the door's about to get pounded in like yeah. a bailiff on a debt recovery mission <laughs> we see this tie fighter land and this hooded character make his way through the corridors who is it dave what they do it's black and white at first isn't it so you don't see the color of the lightsaber at first, and they're teasing you, aren't they? Because I yeah. thought it was the Jedi girl to begin with. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was okay. her. They've done that well, because they don't want to peak too soon, do you? No. If you paid your money, you don't want to splash it up all over the wall, do you? No. Not in the first five no. minutes. <laughs> no. The way it was filmed and the way it was executed is reminiscent, if you were to do them side-by-side comparison, of how Darth Vader in Rogue One, this is very cleverly from a filmography point of view, how Rogue One ends, which leads you into A New Hope. This is reminiscent of the corridor scene with Darth Vader. So what it flips it on its head, and we've now got a Jedi laying to waste these super duper powerful... I mean, Iron Man's not going to be happy about his Iron Army being destroyed. He's he's dead. Spoiler alert. Oh, no. (laughs) Although, is he? Is he? I think he's back. 
I hope he's not going to end up in this woke fest that is called Iron Heart. Watch out for the review on that in 2022. But basically, this mysterious character is just literally battering these yeah. dark troopers, doing forced chokes, forced throws, forced pull-offs. I made that one up. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, a fantasy one of mine. Meanwhile, Baby Yoda or Grogu is literally is pricking up. He's thinking, hang on, who's this? I know who it is. I hope he's got biscuits on the I hope he's got. I hope he's brought a load more tree eggs. <laughs> I've just realised Mr. Pollard is essentially a baby odor. Every time I see him, muffins in his face or cakes, pasties, sausage rolls. Do not leave this guy. Do not leave the other Mark in a bakery. All oh, that's I'm going to say to you. It'll be a massacre. And I'm a little bastard as well. <laughs> little bastard. Yeah, he'll basically laugh in your face whilst he's eating your muffin, <laughs> which is not a euphemism. We don't do that. So, no, but who is it, Dave? Who is this darkened, who is this hooded character? Well, he's the Jedi that is Luke Skywalker. Woo! Uh, and we are brought right round, aren't we? Now, the fans thought that this was a better interpretation of the way he looked from the originals than they did with Princess Leia. Another fan thing that I was looking at is they seem to think that Sebastian Stan, mm. who plays Winter Soldier, looks a little bit like... yeah. Mark Hamill. So there is rumours, again, in the rumour mill, so don't take this as gospel, that there could well be a Luke Skywalker spin-off that has Sebastian Stan play him because that compiled with, you know, computer-generated imagery and the wonderful special effects that we now come to see, in particular Marvel make use of this very well, the ageing technology. They've got a really good canvas to start with in Sebastian Stan and and haven't seen the side-by-side comparisons, I would tend to agree. It was very exciting. It was very good. I I don't know why, I mean, well, I do know why, because Luke Skywalker was my hero as a child, and it was incredibly exciting to see him again, and the computer generation version did look very real. I mean, it's still not quite there, is it? No. The Uncanny Valley hasn't got you to believe that it is. The interesting thing with that is that, obviously, it was Mark Hamill's voice. It wasn't the body, because, again... You know, he's, he's had a few more buys since then. <laughs> yeah, he's been the force hasn't been good with him. <laughs> the force has been more orientated towards yeah. how many pies can I make float into my mouth? <laughs> yeah, yes, force choking hasn't involved him throwing up. In fairness to him, he's just older, isn't he? I mean, Christ yeah. alive, he's about 40 years older than he was yeah. then. Get any of us to stand and have a picture taken of how we looked 40 years ago, you ain't getting the same picture, are you? Definitely not. Well, I mean, that video on the social media is me about 20 years ago. <laughs> I don't know, 10, 10 years ago. So basically that wraps up this yeah. season. Did we enjoy it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, amazing. Was yeah. it better than season one? Marginally, I would say, I would personally say yes. I would say, yeah. The stories were a bit more in-depth. Got a load more characters. But no, just generally spot on. And what a way to leave it. You see, I binged all of season one and two at the same time. And I didn't realise that they, I think they brought both out more or less the same time, didn't they anyway? Or did they? You know, when Disney Plus was launched, they were both on there. I don't know. I couldn't really distinguish the difference between season one and season two. It all felt like just one season, almost a 16 chapter season. And it wouldn't surprise me if Episode three almost starts as chapter one again. It's a second book. It's a a whole new story. It's a whole new adventure that will continue for seasons three and four, as it were. 
Well, the only thing we got at the very end, if you stayed on and watched it, was obviously the Boba Fett goes back, doesn't he? Yeah. And takes over the throne of Jabba the Hutt. I'm glad you mentioned that because obviously you've got, what was the name of the... Fellow with the Hoover on his head. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's sat in the chair. He's looking a bit 40 years on. And, well, I mean, that's passing. again, I think the same character. Well, he actually, the actor is the one that appeared in the prequels. Yes. So the prequel guy is that one. It's They haven't gone back to wheeling right. out the pensioner. But I'm trying to think of his name. And it's, I was going to say Salacious Crumb, but that's the little jackaly thing in the cage. Oh, it sounds um, like a biscuit, does that? Ejabba, he was, he's the one who goes, Ejabba Wonga. Yeah. Salacious Crumb with creamy centre. <laughs> Available in all good Biscuit stores. Uh, biscuit stores. <laughs> what does Wikipedia say, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, it doesn't go that in-depth. <laughs> it doesn't go in that fucking hell. It really doesn't. I've um, lost all respect for society. Bib Fortuna. There we go. So he didn't let you down, did he, on Wikipedia? No. So yeah, Bib Fortuna has taken over Jabba's palace and that nicely rounds that off, doesn't it? Yep, kills him. But it sets the scene now of where we're going to be picking up on the book of Boba Fett. And I thought it was a nice little kind of Easter egg at the end of that because that's coming in Christmas. Yeah. So we're all going to be sort of sitting around the Christmas tree watching Disney Plus at December. Keeps it's, all the subscribers happy. It's interesting that Disney have adopted the Marvel, was it post-credit spoiler thing in Star Wars as well? So it seems that it's now a Disney thing to have a post-credit spoiler as opposed to it being a Marvel thing. They've sort of taken that and developed it on, haven't they? Yeah. When you paid five billion for a company, you probably want it, don't you? Yeah, you can do what you want. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you own every company and every franchise that is, you know, what, who's going to argue with you? Hem them off of a show for the benefit um, of the lawyers, not me. No. <laughs> so before we wrap this up and give it a score, shall I just briefly go through the seasons? Easter yes, eggs. do. I mean, again, I've kept it quite keen in terms of not picking up obvious things. We've mentioned a couple of them. So the, the obvious ones for fans, are the Ashoka Tano kind of cameo and the Boca Katan cameo. The fact that Boca Katan is after the Darksaber, which obviously goes into the canon with regards to that. And we obviously saw her have it in season one in the cartoon version. In this one, you get a nod to the Clone Wars with the Death Watch. And basically the Death Watch were a terrorist splinter cell group. And they were designed to have Mandalorians move away from their peace-loving position towards warring. Hang on um, a sec. Shut up! Continue. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so they were moving, trying to force them from going from more peaceful to more warlike. And, in fact, Bo-Katan mentions Mando's current clan, which is the Watch, which are the ones who can't take the helmets off, and hinting that their lineage stems from the very group that they were once part of. So that was quite nice mention there. Again, the Night Owls, they are mentioned by simply the colour on one of the helmets, that blue-hued armour, that is a little nod to the Night Owls. They basically are essentially an elite group of soldiers and they're led by Bo-Katan. We see a little bit of a throwback to Admiral Akbar. It's a trap! The Mon Calamari pop up in this. They're in the port on Trask. I think that's the guy that comes over and goes, you can't park here. I don't know why he, said, <laughs> I don't know why he speaks like that. Also, while they're on Trask, we see the species that are known as Quarren. Now, for those who aren't fans of of the original middle films. The Quarren are the aliens that are seen in Return of the Jedi. They look like squids. They've got the squid faces. I think mostly may have been popping up in the prequels as well. So if you're Generation X, 
you might know them from the prequels possibly Corvus is the planet they go on which basically is where Ashoka Tano lives that's just a kind of a link to that uh, we get <laughs> just to see... a thing except well, it, it's, it's, it's a thing it's a it, fact it is a thing the reason why it's just a thing is because actually there's no canonical information for that it's just where she resides so live with it and then finally the last one this is probably for the ardent fans or people who have Wikipedia oh Dave alright mate yeah, yeah Dave's got one <laughs> <laughs> the Gozanti cruiser or Gazan cruiser. So those who know their Imperial ships will know that this is a frigate. The Gazanti cruiser has made appearances across Star Wars in The Phantom Menace and multiple episodes of The Clone Wars. And then the one that I mentioned earlier, which I thought was quite humorous, is the fact that you've got a decommissioned Atat pulling the Razor Crest out of the harbour to repair it the best they can, which is quite a nice little nod yeah. to the Atats. I enjoy the Atats. I'm not too sure whether you're a fan. I wasn't too sure about the two-legged ones, the ATSTs, which sounds like a sexual transmitted disease, if I'm honest. <laughs> I once was with Bo-Katan and she gave me ATSD. <laughs> anyway, that rounds up the Easter eggs. So, Mark, do you want to go round the room, virtual room, and see what we scored? Yeah. What would you give out of five, Dave? Season two. Out of five? Yeah. I'd give it five out of five. It's, it's just totally enjoyable. They are just little films in themselves. And again, like we said last time, they're setting up characters for so much more. This is going to go on for years and years, isn't it? It's going to be great. And the ending alone, I've watched it probably 10 times. Just the ending of that last one is so good, I think. It is. As soon as you hear the music, you just, yeah. The way. The way just comes. I think what's quite good, I don't know, you didn't get any nods that that was going to happen. No. I never expected it. Even when I saw the cloaked figure, at no point did it cross my mind that it might be Luke Skywalker. And we got R2-D2 as well. Did we? Yeah. At the end? Ah, uh, oh yes, of course we did, yes. No, Baby yeah, Yoda. yeah, absolutely. My two favourite characters, Baby Yoda and R2-D2. Ah, what about you, Marcus? Well, for the benefit of the listeners, what we might not have explained is that we're now marking these out of five. <laughs> yeah, if we did it out of ten in the last one and we're now doing out of five and you're thinking why, A, I can't be asked considering that as consistency being important in my life. But, yeah, there is a reason. We mark everything out of five on social media, don't we? Yeah. So we're just bringing in line our scoring system <laughs> because, it, of course, it's important and people listen to us and <laughs> take note of our opinion. We're going decimal next time. So out of five, I'd give it a four and <sighs> reason as i always give it that's like a seven you're such a knobhead why is that no because i don't want to give it a five because what if next time it's a six we don't go up to six but then you just give it a five five. and say there should be a six well no because it might be a seven so what what would you give season one bearing in mind you said that season two is better than season one does season one get three out of five no because we marked out a ten and last time i gave it nine out of ten because it's not a ten same reasons I'm giving it four out of five. But, it's not a fucking vibe. Well, all right. Well, going by the old scoring system, bearing in mind we don't do points, so it's only whole numbers. Nine out of ten, this would have got if we were doing ten, and now we're doing five. It's four out of five, so it's the same as nine out of ten. <laughs> Just half the number. So you're giving. Says the mathematician in the room. So, you, so you're giving season one and season two the same score. Essentially, yeah. Because last week I scored it nine out of ten. We've changed our scoring system to five, so it's four out of five. And I've ignored the scoring system. You said that season two is better than season one, but you're giving it the same score. Yeah, because I gave it nine. It can be better and still the same. <laughs> because if I and there's it, if I the oxymoron it, we were looking for people you know, if i give it a 10 right what if season three is better than season two and i go oh it was really good i enjoyed it 
and then go what 10 again by that logic you're going to be stuck at 9 out of 10 forever, forever until you get to the final season and you know it's the final season at which point you'll want to give it a 10 because it deserves 10 and all the other previous seasons should have had 10 you just didn't <laughs> give it to them because it could have got better even though, by your own logic, season two is better than season one, but still has the same score, which by default says that you could have given season one 10 out of 10, still given season two 10 out of 10, and said that it was still a better 10 out of 10 than the other one. I know I'm being pedantic and irritating here, but, uh, you know, why else would you keep me around? Oh. Uh- the sponsorship deal. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to also give it five out of five yeah. um, because brilliant. And if season three is better, then I'll be so excited about the fact that it was better. I'll give it six out of five. Yeah, and, we'll just score it out yeah, of six. You, just, you, just, you just deal with it. Well, I'm, I'll give it 20 out of 10. <laughs> and you know what? You could do that because that's how little importance I attach to these markings just generally. I will sleep perfectly fine at night. I'm not sure you will. <laughs> Well, I'm an insomniac, so I won't. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully you've enjoyed that chitter-chatter about The Mandalorian. Dave, will you join us when we come to doing Season 3? Yeah, I'll try and upgrade my Knowledge. resource tips from, and I will ditch Wikipedia and look at other sources of information. Well, like I think... Films. Yeah. I'll just watch it. I'll just watch it instead. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we will. I think the plan is we're going to do episode by episode, aren't we, for season three? So we won't be cramming it in and covering it quite as vaguely as we have done these ones. It seemed like too much like hard work going back and doing each episode retrospectively. So everyone can stay tuned and enjoy that thoroughly. Give us a review, check us out on socials, send us emails, just do stuff. It's all good. But mostly give us money. (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening guys hope you've enjoyed it Dave thanks a lot for coming on the show we've thoroughly enjoyed having you on and we look forward to seeing you again soon Mark love you as always ditto thank you Dave thank you listeners thank you Mark it was a pleasure this is the way at the two marks on facebook twitter and instagram also check them out on youtube